Who is happy to be out of the house? Yes, isn't it nice? That's good. Matter of fact, clap just for being here today. Clap because you're not in your house. Yay. Whose kids are not beside them right now? Clap because your kids aren't beside you. Yay. Y'all got your kids. <laughs> that, y'all, y'all are cool too, though. Man, uh, what a morning. Um, it, it was, did anyone notice the snow this week? <laughs> that was something. Uh, by the way, if you, this is your first time here, my name is Tommy. I'm the pastor here. It's nice to meet you. Um, we've been on this journey together for the last few weeks, and we're going through a book called Experiencing God. Uh, we don't call it a study because that sounds boring. Uh, we, it's a movement of the Holy Spirit. He's doing something, and it has been so cool to watch what's happened in this place. And not just for the people who are doing the study, but, but the residual. There's a lot of friendly fire for people who aren't doing the study, and you're still getting to experience uh, the glory of watching God change people and changed people change people. So it's been a really, really cool process. And as a matter of fact, I had uh, some friends last week that, that were here, and they were people I hadn't seen since high school. And if, I wish y'all would have known me in high school because you would just really understand the glory of God that I'm here. But like, they, they hadn't seen me since high school. And so then they were here last week, and I don't know if they knew that I was the pastor here, probably not, but they came with some of their buddies, and they were like, oh my gosh, you're that dude from high school. And I was like, yeah, but it was so neat to hear their perspective on what we get to experience every week. See, sometimes when you see, the, when you see something every week, you can, you can kind of forget, you can kind of take it for granted. We do this, we do this in our relationships, we do this with stuff, and we do this all the time. But like, they hadn't seen this before. And so they were like, Dude, the Spirit is so alive in here. This place is so amazing. And that's not a boast on us because it's not about us. It's bigger than us. God has decided to do something here that goes beyond us, and we couldn't conjure it or control it, but we dang well better value it because it is incredible what God has decided to do here. And my prayer for you and for me and and for you watching online that none of us lose the wonder of what this is. Because there's a, there's, there's a lot of places where this isn't happening. And God has chosen to move here. And it's our job to be obedient and aware of the way God is moving. Amen? Amen. So, does anyone remember last week's memory verse? Do you really? Oh, go ahead. What did, I didn't think it last. Nobody did. Go ahead. What is it? Wow, she even cited the, she was like John 14, 21, even cited the verse. Good job, girl, that's nice. Chris, our, Chris Neal, our associate pastor, was in the last one. I was like, Chris, do you know the verse? And he just sat there, and I was like, that's it. <laughs> he finally conjured it up in his head, but that was rough. All right, so th- this, is, this is our passage for this week. This week is John 8, 47, and it says this. Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you don't hear God is because you don't belong to God. Whoa, yeah. So so leave that one on the screen for me. So Blackaby, the the guy from Experiencing God, he and I love this book and I love the study and everything, but like he took this verse and plucked it out and put it on a page and was like, there you go. And so when I read this verse, whoever belongs to God hears God, but if you don't hear God, then you don't belong to God. My first thought was, dang man. Like, raise your hand if there has ever been a time in your life when you couldn't hear God. Yeah, my hand is up. Does that mean none of us belong to God? 
Raise your hand if there's a time when you didn't hear your spouse. Maybe it was on purpose. Were they still your spouse? Raise your hand if there was a time when you didn't hear your kids. You just finally tuned them out. Were they still your kids? All right, so maybe this verse is saying something different. And that's why I think context is so important when you're studying the Bible. Because when I see a verse like this, whoever belongs to God, hears God. If you don't hear God, you don't belong to God. I'm like, whoa, do I belong to God? I mean, I've been preaching now for like 11 years. Surely at some point I would have tripped into him or something. But so, so, so let, let's look at the context. So John 8, 12, before that passage, it says... When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, so Jesus is talking to a big crowd of people, and it says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never be in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Okay, so, so Jesus is talking to a big crowd of people people just like us, and he's telling them he's the light of the world. And all of a sudden, these religious people, the Pharisees, begin to challenge Jesus. They're people who don't believe that he is the Son of God. They don't believe that he is who he says he is. They don't love him. They don't respect him. They're not going to obey him. They do not believe in him. And they're challenging him. And so the next 40 verses or whatever of John 8 is Jesus in an argument with those people. And four times during this argument, he looks at him and says, you're not of God. You're of the devil. You're not my people. Over and over, he says, you're not, you're not even with me. And finally, after saying you're with the devil four times, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, if you were with God, you'd hear God. But you're not with him, so you don't hear him. So who is Jesus talking to in that passage? Pharisees. Who's he not talking to? Y'all. Me. He's not talking to people who are trying their best to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. He's not talking to people who are, who are trying their best to, to honor God and to be obedient to God and to obey God. He's not talking to people who are trying their best to give their life to God. He's not talking to that mom who's daily in prayer for her child, just wondering when God's going to move, and she's not hearing him, and she's scared. And he's not talking to that, that husband who's wondering, is she going to come home, and, and is, is she ever going to be mine again, and I don't hear from God. And he's not talking to that family who doesn't know where the next dollar's going to He's not talking to people who are begging a God they love to speak, he's talking to people who don't love God. That's a big difference. And so when we're, when we're quoting verses like that, the worst thing we can ever do is something I like to call Protestant bingo. We just pick a verse and go, bingo, and we base everything on it and like use it to beat people up or use it to beat ourselves up just because you're not here. Now, now let me say this. You may not be hearing from God because you don't belong to God. If you've never given your life to Christ and you've never, you've never entered into a loving relationship with Jesus, then yeah, you're not hearing him because you don't belong to him. But if you have, then you may just not be hearing from him, not because you don't belong to him, but because you have not yet learned to listen. Relationships and communication, and y'all know this, these things take time. And good communication takes trust and intimacy, and those things don't always happen immediately. And so for many of us, it's just that we're learning to do what we have not yet learned to do. 
For some of us, we're not hearing from God because we're, we're still waiting for a burning bush. Like, you're like, well, if God's going to tell... I've, I've heard people say this before. Well, if God doesn't want me to do that, he better give me a burning bush. Really? You know how many times he's done that in the history of humanity? Uno. Uh, one time. He's, not, he's probably not going to give you a burning bush. Uh, God, in, in, in the Old Testament, God spoke through a burning bush, and he, he spoke through prophets. And at one point, God was, you know, a pillar of fire moving, and God even spoke through a talking donkey. Did y'all know that? There's a story in there of God speaking through a talking. It's not Shrek. It's like a talking donkey. It happens. That's how God spoke for a period of time. Then, then the, the Bible says the word became flesh. God's word took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. And that was the person of Jesus Christ. And, and when Jesus was walking around, prophets weren't necessary because Jesus was the word of God. And then Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave, ascended back into heaven. And when he did, he sent the Holy Spirit. And now God speaks in new ways. And the ways God most often speaks now, and that God may speak to you through another way, but the main ways God speaks today are through the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through the church, and through circumstances. These are the ways God speaks to us today. And so if, if you're not hearing from God, maybe together we can learn to better listen. The one I want to talk about the beginning is the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is not in you, then nothing else matters. Scripture apart from the Holy Spirit is nonsense. Prayer apart from the Holy Spirit is, is talking to your imaginary friend. Um, circumstances apart from the Holy Spirit are just circumstances. A church without the Holy Spirit is just a big box full of people waiting to die. These things without the Holy Spirit are nothing. But if you have given your life to Christ, then Christ has invested his Holy Spirit into you. Listen, this is John 14, 25, and this is Jesus talking. And he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you what the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Or he says, if, 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 I, if you've given your life to me, I'm going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and there's a word in there. Go back one for me, Eric. It says, um, the second line, what's the last word on the second line? Teach. Everyone say it together. What's the last word on the second line? Teach. Are there any teachers in the house? Any, any teachers in here? All right. When you think of the word teach, do you think you... Instantly all knowledge, like you tell your kids something one time and they automatically do it and obey and they go, oh, that was a very good teaching, thank you. Is that what you think of? Or do you think of a relatively slow process over time where they learn and they learn and they grow? When, when you see the word teach, don't think of, well, I gave my life to Christ and I instantly had all the knowledge and I didn't need anything and blah, 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 and now I'll just sit in my deer stand on Sundays. Don't think of that. That's, that's what, what we in, in one of my other groups call stinking thinking. All right? That's not the way we think. Um, to be taught is to learn, and it takes time. And so the Holy Spirit is teaching us to listen to God, teaching us to hear from Him. And so we have to listen to the Holy Spirit because He's a guide, and He's an advocate, and He's a leader. But what He is not going to do is possess you and force you to listen. When the Holy Spirit, when God sends you the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, it's not a possession, it's a partnership. You know the difference? Y'all know what a, a Muppet is? 
Y'all know what, that's how you do a Muppet. This is a puppet, right? This is a Muppet. I learned that in the last one. Muppets are hand up the backside. Puppets are like this. That's not, either way, that's just a little side note, but that's not, that's not what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't possess you and force you, you know, to move in certain ways. All I can think of is, cry me a river, like that one Justin. Wasn't that the song there? What, what song was that? Where's Rachel when we need her? She would know that one. Whatever. But he doesn't, possess, he doesn't force you to do things. He's not, he's not bending you and breaking you. He's partnering with you. And the difference between Creighton, you and I are different people, aren't we? We have different experiences, different pasts, different understanding. And so he's partnering with you in different ways than he's partnering with me. And we don't look exactly alike. Sydney, you and I are for sure different people. I mean, you're a female and you can lift more than me. But when he partners with us, it's different ways and different personalities and doing different things. The Holy Spirit isn't doing the same thing the same way with every single person and forcing us to conform to this one look and feel. He's partnering with us to take our God-given gifts and, and personalities and do something unique and extraordinary with each one of you. And as we begin to hear the Holy Spirit, and as we begin to, to open our hearts to Him and actually begin to understand that He is for us and He's conforming us and He's shaping us, then we go to the next step and we begin to read the Bible because reading the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit is nothing. But when you read the Bible with the Holy Spirit, you begin to understand the things God is teaching. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. When you hear the word God-breathed, that is the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit. I've got a buddy of mine who, who goes to this church, and he's a smart dude, and he and I debate Scripture. Like we're in a long-running debate about Scripture right now. And he's probably right about some things, and I'm probably wrong, and Jesus is going to laugh at both of us when we get there. But the one thing we always both agree on is that all Scripture is God-breathed. And as you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit and you open the Bible, you begin to understand things in a new way. And some people will say, well, man, God never speaks to me, and I wish God would speak to me. I was reading the Bible the other night, and, and I read this verse, and it, you know, it kind of convicted me, or I read this verse, and it encouraged me, or I read this verse that said I should be doing something I'm not doing, and I just wish God would speak to me. And I'm like, that's God speaking to you. That is God speaking to you. You don't need God to second what the Holy Spirit has said, because the Holy Spirit is God. And if you're reading the Bible and you're convicted or encouraged or, or, or maybe something stings or maybe something's understandable or maybe you see how to better do this or change that, that is God speaking to you. That's the way he speaks. And so if that's happening to you, then God is speaking to you. And for any of us, if we're studying the Bible under the influence of the Holy Spirit, at some point, God is going to speak. Now, if you're reading the Bible and you think you know it all and you think I've already seen all this, then God may not speak just because he may know you're smarter. But for the rest of us, when we're reading the Bible under the influence of the Spirit, God is going to speak. And then, and then as you're reading the Bible and as you're under the influence of the Spirit, then you begin to go in prayer because it's only, only under the influence of the Spirit as you're studying the Bible, you begin to go into prayer and you begin to realize that your prayer has power. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit 
because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That word wordless groans, I, I looked that up in several different commentaries, and what that means to the best of my understanding, and maybe, maybe you have a different interpretation, is the Holy Spirit is speaking in ways that make no sense to you. There's times when you don't know what, have you ever been woken up at night and felt the need to pray for something? Like you woke up at like two o'clock in the morning, there was something on your heart. Or you woke up at midnight and there was something on your heart. Maybe it was your kid or maybe, and like, I remember I used to wake up and there would be something on my heart. And instead of stopping and praying about it, I would just try to start going back to sleep. And the way I do that is I pretend that I won the lottery. And it's, I'm like, all right, how would I spend the money? And that's what I do is until I fall back asleep. But then I'm like, I would have had to have bought a ticket. So it doesn't work. But that's, so instead of doing that now, when, when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning with something on my heart, I believe that is the Holy Spirit actually telling me to pray for that something. That that's him intervening in my life going, I want you to pray for this. And there's so many times when, when I'll sit alone with God and go, God, I don't even know what to talk to you about today. I'm frustrated or I'm mad or I'm angry. And before long, God has moved me to a place of peace that was not of my doing. That is the Holy Spirit in your prayer. And there's times I'll go to God and be like, I've got this thing pretty good, man. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Like I've, that sin conquered it. That sin conquered it. And God will go, what about this one? And I'm like, oh, this is why we don't talk. That's the Holy Spirit speaking in prayer. That's God speaking to you. God speaks through the Bible and through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And God speaks through the church. God speaks to us through the church. The things that, that you're learning when God, and, and you're, on this, you're on this journey and you're, and you're praying, and you're studying the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaking and he speaks a word to your heart. The next thing you do when God speaks a word to your heart is have it confirmed inside of community. You find a group of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and who are studying scripture and who are in prayer and you confirm what God has placed on your heart inside of community. Because if God speaks a word to you that goes counter everyone else around you, that may be a concern for you. And what some of us like to do is run around till we find a church that confirms what God has spoken. You're like, I've been to 57 churches and I finally found the one that agreed with me. You didn't find the right church. You just found a group of people as crazy as you. And that is possible. We confirm the word of the Holy Spirit through scripture and through prayer inside of community. And as we do that, then God begins to speak through circumstances. Not everything is a big deal. But everything can be a beautiful deal given to you by God. At any point this week, did any of you just, and I, I know you did, did you just look at the snow and go, God, that is beautiful. Like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that snow. And then, like, as the snow started to melt and, you know, you could get away from your kids, you're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that they're in another room and I'm outside or whatever, you know. And there's just, you, you begin to experience God. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on a deer stand and just seen a deer and be like, God, oh, that's beautiful. And then I, you know, then I kill it, but it's neither here nor there. Don't you just begin to experience those moments, though, as you study the Scripture and as you pray and as you get in tune with God, and then things begin to just, little things begin to get more and more beautiful. And so, guys, th this is what we're doing. We're learning to talk to God. Maybe you're not hearing from God because you don't really know what God wants to talk about. 
But when God is talking to us, God is always the superior being. It's like when I'm talking to my children, I am the superior being. Like I want to hear from them. I want to hear about their heart and their mind and their day and their emotions and their dreams and their hopes. But I still want them to do what I'm telling them to do. Like I want to hear all those things. But if I tell you not to cross the street, don't cross the street in the midst. God is still the superior being. He wants to hear from us and he wants to hear about our pains and our hopes. But he wants us to do what he's telling us to do. And some of us aren't hearing from God because all we do with God is talk about ourselves. God, give me, give me, give me, give me. Have you ever talked to anyone who only talked about themselves? How long did you listen? Let me give you all a clue. If you're ever talking to me and all you're doing is talking about yourself, I'm going to be doing this. This is the hint. I'm just slowly walking away. When we're talking to God, God wants us to say, I mean, can you imagine starting your prayer today with, God, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? What do you want to do through me today? I mean, God wants to hear what's on your mind, but he also wants to tell you what's on his. What God is not saying is disobedience is okay. What God is not saying is um, he's not confirming whatever plan we came up with that violates scripture and community and all the other things, but God is speaking. And so are you learning to listen? I'm going to give you guys a practical example of how this applied in my life. Um, as, as I've been doing experiencing God and, and studying scripture and reading and praying, I begin to look at these gatherings and just see where God was moving. And I begin to see him get more and more people here. Now, today we've got a few open seats, but it's not bad for a snow day. But in general, like on a, on a weekly basis, I would go online and I would see that all the seats were filled up in all three gatherings. And I would get calls or texts from people. I'm like, man, I really wanted to, to come to your church, but there wasn't a seat open. And so I thought God was calling us to do something. And sometimes, sometimes when God calls you, he gives you a tightrope. He says, do exactly these things. Sometimes when God calls you, he gives you a soccer field. He's like, love people. And so God was giving me a soccer field saying, make room for people. And so I was like, okay, make room for people. How do we want to do that? We want to make more room for people. What should we do? And I was like, should we build another building? And God was like, no, no, those are super expensive. Don't do that. It's like, thank you, God, because I didn't want to do that. And I was like, should I ask some people to leave? Because there's a few people I could ask <laughs> to go find a, another church. And God was like, no, Tommy, that's not the solution. And so I came to staff meeting because God was putting something on my heart. And so I come to staff meeting. I want this confirmed inside of a group of people. And so I'm taught, I said, guys, we got to make more space for more people. And so I said, here's what I say we do. This is like on a Tuesday. I say this Sunday we go to four gatherings, and we have a gathering at 8 o'clock and 9.15 and 10.30 and 11.45, and my staff was like, hold on just a second. And, and it got heated. Like we were fighting. Like, like it was awesome. Like Rachel and Katie were punching each other. It was super exciting. No, that didn't happen. But it was, it was a group of passionate people who all felt God speaking all studying the scripture, all praying over this. And so finally, this was like, was this three weeks ago? This is three weeks ago. And we talked and agreed. And we said, all right, here's what we should do. We should create a fourth gathering. Because that's a crisis of faith for many of us. Because for many of us, that's going to require more work. Guys, my voice is tired after three. Uh, because I have no governor on, in, in my life, which has been a problem in a lot of areas. But like... I'm tired after three, uh, but if God is telling us to do four, then God is going to sustain us to do four. But it's a crisis of faith that leads to, a, to, to adjusting our lives, and it's not for many of y'all. I mean, it's going to be harder for me, but many of y'all are now going to have to do something. 
Uh, many of you who have been doing something are going to have to do something more. Because if we're going to sustain a fourth gathering, we, we're going to need more people to work in kids. And we're going to need more people on the greeting team and, and the production team and all these. We're going to need more people doing more in this house if we're going to have another gathering for more people. But this is what we believe God is calling us to do, to create more space so that the fact that someone would ever get, can you imagine if it was someone's first time, let's say, Let's say you've been working on somebody for three months. For three months, you've been working. Invite them to church. Finally, they get online Saturday, like they have this God moment, and there's not a seat available. Wouldn't that break your heart? It breaks my heart, too. And so next Sunday, next Sunday, this Sunday coming up, if you show up here at 10 o'clock, you will be here either really late or really early. Because starting next Sunday, our gathering times will be 8 o'clock, 9.15, 10.30 and 11.45. And when you clap, remember, when you clap, that makes me assume you're all in and you're going to do whatever it takes. So clap again, right? Yes. This is what we're going to do to create more space. And if you're watching online, we're still going to get you. You're covered at 10.30. We're, we're just set your clocks 30 minutes. We're going to create more space for more people. And if all four of those fill up, then I'm going to go to staff meeting and we're going to have another crazy idea and we're going to figure out the next thing we got to do. But we are going to make sure that we make space for every single person who wants to be in this building because that is what God is calling us to do. And guys, let, let me tell you, is it more work? Yes. It's going to be more work on me and it should be more work on you too. But is it worth it? I believe it is. And the day, the day this church gets more concerned about the feelings and emotions of the people who are in this room than the people who are out there who have not yet experienced Jesus Christ is the day we should all pack it up and go somewhere else. We will do whatever it takes to create more space. And so God is speaking, and he's speaking loudly. And I'm seeing where God is moving, and he's moving here. And so my hope is that you this week will go in prayer and spend some time studying Scripture. Say, God, what is my role in this? Is it time for me to invite people? Is it time for me to serve? Is it time for this to be about more than just me? What is my role to help this place accommodate what God has placed on our hearts? God is speaking to you. Are you willing to take the time to learn to listen? I hope so. Next week, we make more space so that more people can hear the voice of God in this place. Amen.